welcome, Tester Dial Illusions. We are uh, back from a uh, long hiatus. Uh, we're not really back full-time. This is really sort of a one-off. Uh, we've got some episodes planned in the future. I will save Shop Talk for the end of the episode because I really want to dive in to what we're talking about here. The uh, controversy surrounding the uh, film, the new HBO documentary, Jagged, which uh, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in... Uh, if you're if you're somebody listening to this in the future, this would have been in uh, mid September 2021. Documentary comes out wide release in November. So if you're listening to this between September and November, you probably haven't seen the documentary unless you saw it at TIFF. And uh, I having seen the documentary is not really uh, required to to listen to this episode. We're really talking about the controversy. I have never in my life attached a spoiler tag to a documentary, and I cover a fuck ton of them. Uh, if you are somebody who thinks that they will be spoiled, uh, that the documentary will be spoiled by them listening to this, uh, obviously use your own discretion and don't listen to the episode. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the documentary. Uh, my review is up on my website. I've included a link in the episode description for you to follow along. I actually wrote the review before I knew about the controversy, and I guess we'll look back whether that would have changed my opinion of it or not. But uh, this is such a such a such a weird situation. It's bizarre. It's something I couldn't get out of my head. So what do I do? You get a podcast about it. It's a bit of context. Uh, so Allison Clayman released a film uh, that uh, it had its premiere. I'll give you the exact date because I'm very generous. It came out on. Tuesday, September 14th. We are recording this exactly a week later. And uh, it's a film about the early life of Alanis Morissette and then also the uh, release of Jagged Little Pill, which is the 12th best-selling album of all time and second best-selling by a female artist. Uh, very, very popular. It speaks for itself. Although, of course, there's a documentary now that also basically speaks for it. So if it didn't speak for itself, now you also have to feature film feature doc so Lennis Morissette does not like the documentary she did not go it's it's kind of standard there was a Deanne Warwick film that came out uh she was up in Toronto doing press for it uh, uh Sundance 2020's Miss Americana well it had a premiere there it didn't compete uh that which I also covered uh that's another one where Taylor Swift was in house uh she was there fully supporting it uh it is often common for documentaries about either music stars or actors all of that that the actual talent the the focus of it will actually go out and promote the work so Alanis Morissette did not do that she did not go to Toronto and she put out a statement about why she didn't go to Toronto and I will read the statement in its entirety and I'll do that right now so you can all have a lot of context this is taken from uh, Deadline so Morissette says, I agreed to participate in a piece about the celebration of Jagged Little Pill's 25th anniversary and was interviewed during a very vulnerable time. While in the midst of my third postpartum depression during lockdown, I was lulled into a false sense of security and their salacious agenda became apparent immediately upon my seeing the first cut of the film. This is n when I knew our visions were in fact painfully diverged. This was not the story I agreed to tell. I sit here now experiencing the full impact of having trusted someone who did not warrant being trusted. 
I have chosen not to attend any event around this movie for two reasons. One is that I'm on tour right now. The other is that not unlike many in quotation marks stories and quotation marks and unauthorized biographies out there over the years, this one includes implications and facts that are simply not true. While there is beauty and some elements of accuracy in this uh, dash my story to be sure, I ultimately won't be supporting someone else's reductive take on a story much too nuanced for them to ever grasp or tell. I cannot think of a comparison off the top of my head of a film that, and this is also kind of why I've wanted to do this this, uh, podcast episode, is I've been calling the film, when people have said, should I check out Jagged, I say, I've said basically, yeah, it is a puff piece. It is a puff piece. It really is a puff piece. It, it, Morissette is upset that it was supposed to be this a celebration of Jagged Little Pill's 25th anniversary. It is basically that. And this is the thing that, this is the thing that really kind of gets at me. It's a puff piece, yes. I, I, I think that's a true statement. And yet, I mean, like, for the first 15 or 20 minutes, they they go into details of, I mean, not very explicit, but she does talk about how, as a young performer, she, she got her start, Alanis Morissette got her start as a performer at a really young age. And uh, she talks about how, age by age 15, she was the victim of statutory rape by people in the music industry. That's uh, really heavy stuff. And what's also kind of unusual about this documentary is uh, she really confronts Alison Klein and the director confronts all of this stuff very early on. And then, like, basically the remaining hour, hour five, hour ten of the uh, runtime is basically celebratory, very light in tone, which is how you get to say that something is a puff piece, even though it gets really heavy. It gets really heavy early, though, and then the heaviness is pretty much all gone. It's it's a weird structure. And one does kind of, at, at least as a film critic, as somebody, I do have to wonder if not only the placing of that, but uh, of, of that testimony. Testimony that Morrissey really apparently doesn't really want to be there at all. It's in there because in the absence of any other thing re- resembling conflict, and that's... There's one little caveat to that, which is not super important to talk about right now. We'll get to it in a bit. just want to unpack all of this. And also, I should have started the episode with this, but it doesn't really matter. I, I highly doubt Allison Claim is listening. We've had a lot of documentary filmmakers on, though, and that's something that uh, this podcast I've really prided myself on having uh, lots of lots of really great filmmakers on to talk about their work. And on top of that, none of them have ever complained about the way they were covered when they came on. So, Planis Marseille, you're obviously welcome too, but I, I just did want to make clear that I did reach out to Allison Clemens' publicist. I said we were doing this. I said, she is welcome to come on. And Allison, if you are listening, you are welcome to come on and share your side of the story. Uh, all she said about this controversy so far is a statement that, uh, by deadline, about their own interview with her, that they, deadline, describes as rather oblique. Uh, she's... I mean, she's a director whose whose work has been renounced by its subject, and it's very complimentary toward its subject, and the subject still doesn't like it. I, I can't think of anything anything remotely close. And the other thing that I really want to talk about in this podcast is 
just just the nature of whether or not that's okay. Because I've seen a lot of articles and a lot of takes that basically say, okay, the uh, subject should get final say over the, you know, final cut say over, uh, you know, the, the finished product, of, especially if they're the star of it. I mean, it's this it's this tightrope that all documentary filmmakers have to walk. The idea that you, well, not all, a lot of them. You've got, you know, these stars who have act, who have all this material, archival footage, all the stuff that you would want to put in a documentary, and they'll give it to you, but there's a degree of access that goes into that. And this is a documentary that, that I remember before I started watch it, there were some rumblings of uh, that this film was marred by a conflicted sense of access to Alanis, which, I mean, there's a good chance that's true. Most of the footage is, I mean, not most, a lot of it is uh, from Alanis herself. All of the stuff about the statutory rape and how how she was handled by uh, people in the music industry when she was a minor, although not... Canada's age of consent law back then was 14. That's really, really low. That's weird. And I think pretty much everybody should be uncomfortable by that. And what's even kind of weirder is Alanis Morissette is very open and very generous about talking about this stuff. I mean, it's it, she doesn't go into specifics. Uh, she doesn't owe that to anyone. Nobody needs... Not necessarily something she has to do. And I guess we know now that, I mean, I, as somebody who lived with uh, dysphoria and a lot of depression for a long time, I mean, you can really be really low inside and project a, a happy front and come across as very warm and, and kind and lovely. And While you're just battling something that is deep below the surface, so deep that nobody can even see. I know that's really hard, and it's it's really emotional. It's it's tough. It's tough to read. And it's in the documentary. It's, it's in there very briefly early on. And it's not really mentioned again. It's, it's, it's a documentary that largely gets its conflict out of the way in the first 20 minutes. And then is... is. I mean, I've essentially also... I kind of look like an idiot for giving it a good review. Cause the way that I talk about it. A lot of the film, I mean, they go basically at some point song by song. It does kind of feel like one of those DVDs that was packaged with a CD, a uh, new release CD that would have come out back when people bought CDs 10, 15 years ago. Uh, probably more than that. Like It was basically like a DVD bonus feature that comes with a CD that you buy. That's basically how Jagged came across for a lot of the film. And those, those types of releases are not known for their heavy-hitting content. And even... You know, despite this revelation that she had been statutory, that she had been the victim of statutory rape, this is not a hard-hitting documentary. It it it's the singular case where you could look at something that does get fairly heavy for a brief moment and still come across being like, yeah, Jagged is basically a puff piece. It feels like a puff piece. I feel conflicted saying that because it's like ah. You know, maybe you should handle something with more reverence. Maybe maybe we should explore this more and not have it be like something that you tackle really early on and then, then go it goes away. And my pull quote for the film is... I wrote... So my review's up on my site. I wrote, The choice to confront the heavy stuff early on gives Clem in the runway to achieve Jagged's primary objective as an unadulterated celebration of Morissette and all her glory. 
Of course, Morissette's statement does not come across as somebody who feels like she's been celebrated in all her unadulterated glory. It's really weird. This situation is really, really, really weird. And I, 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 I don't like the idea that a star should have final say over, over work that's about them. Look, if you want to give somebody access to uh, archival footage of yours, if they're making a documentary about you, and, you know, obviously you're allowed to set your own terms for how, uh, how that's supposed to go about. Nobody's disputing that. You know, you can say, uh, I will uh, not give you this if you cut that out. If you don't cut that out. Or, uh, I mean, there have been rumors that uh, Kobe Bryant had disparaging comments about Phil Jackson cut from a film uh, documentary about him. Uh, this, this, the, you could go on and on about the potential backstage deals that go into back behind door, behind closed door deals that go into making stuff like this. It's very, very complex and, uh, yeah, and it, some of it's shady. I mean, documentary is supposed to be kind of about the truth, projecting uh, nonfiction, all of that. It's always narrative. There's always some kind of story that's at play here. It is at the end of the day a ninety minute film. Where that it's supposed to essentially follow a three act structure, it kind of I'm not really sure that it does, but boy, don't I sound like somebody who really liked this film? It's fascinating. I mean, uh, the one thing, so the one thing that really gets me, I've had a lot of documentary filmmakers on. I've had a lot of filmmakers on, and uh, you know, on top of that, I've had conversations to have more on than we actually did. Obviously, some episodes, surprise, surprise, uh, some episodes that were planned didn't actually happen. Uh, that's the way it goes. But um, as a host and as a film critic, there have been, I mean, generally, it's really no com- It's no trouble, it's no hassle that... Uh, uh, to operate as both, and there, there, there are kind of conflicting objectives. Film critic, you know, you want to call balls and strikes down the middle and say, you know, this is what I like, this is what was good, this is what was bad. Uh, there's a complete objectivity there. I, I strive for a complete objectivity. Whether I hit it every time or not is something. Uh, obviously, I am not capable of fully answering, and that's not for me to say. And to go further into that would just be. Sound like I'm trying to get high on my own farts, and I don't want to do that. As a podcast host, though, you're really having documentary filmmakers on for stuff that you liked. So there is kind of the, okay, you're coming on. I, 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 I'm not going to... I, as as a host, I, I'm not engaging in gotcha journalism. I'm not trying to get something juicy out of a guest or I just I, I don't do that I don't want to do that people come on for a good time I would like to give them a good time this is a chat show we keep things fairly light and that's like I, I had a time where uh, a guest revealed uh, news that a show they were working on had been renewed and that news came out like a solid 10 months before it was reported like I had the scoop on that a lot, and I I could have I could have gotten this show and my name printed in publications by saying like oh yeah look it's been renewed look what I found. But and actually unprompted I have all the audio for it unprompted when the person said that they were doing it I told them I was like wait a second when was that announced and then they were like oh crap can you take this out and I obliged because I'm a nice person. <laughs> 
And uh, it, it, it wasn't... it. If we're talking, looking at things from strictly a, is this a good career choice or not? It was not smart of me to hold this. I should have said, actually, you offered that, you slipped, I'm going to capitalize, and now you're going to look bad because you let the cat out of the bag. But I'm going to punish you because you put me in a position where I could punish you. I'm not going to be that kind of person. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be mean to people. I got nothing out of that. It's not like they are like, oh, okay, let me give you... I, I, I didn't try to say, okay, I'll trade you this information, get one of the stars for my show. I didn't... I didn't, I, I didn't they asked me to cut it out. I did it. No questions asked. Nothing in return. That's... Uh, that's what I did. Now, if you're a journalist and you're speaking on the record to somebody and they give you something really juicy that's going to propel your whole documentary and then they decide later, hey, why don't you cut that out? Do you cut it out? Do we apply everybody to the same standard that I did? No. I mean, you just can't. And also, I mean, let's also be serious. Like, let's say Andrew Garfield was on the show, and he slipped that he's going to be in the new Spider-Man. Uh, he's not been on the podcast, and he did not say that, just in, in case anybody's confused. But uh, let's just say, hypothetically, he did slip, and then was like, wait a second, I'm going to get in huge trouble if I do this. Can you take it out? If I was sitting on the scoop that confirmed the Spider-Verse theory, I would probably not hold it. I wouldn't. There would be, it would be ab, it would be it would be so irresponsible to do that. And I had juicy gossip before, but the person wasn't a big star. They were, uh, you know, writer. So I, you know, you could really damage somebody by doing that. A-list Hollywood actor. Do I care that much about damaging them in that kind of context with a slip? You know, I haven't been put in that situation. Maybe I would act differently if I was. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I I would I would approach it differently though, which is uh, I guess the way I just answered that isn't that nice. So Alanis Morissette is sitting down for a interview with Allison Clayman for the film Jagged, and talks about things that uh, quite apparently she did not want to uh, talk about later. And I guess to her, to to narrow in on one statement that she had made in the uh, one sentence she had said. This one includes implications and facts that are simply not true. I don't have any clue what she's referring to. And there isn't really a point in the documentary where she's including heaps and heaps of, of like, a fact dump that you could say, like, okay, that's full of nonsense. I, I That's not to say that the documentary is 100% factually accurate, I just, I don't have a frame of reference. Having seen the film, I don't have a frame of reference to understand what Alanis Morissette is talking about with that. I don't. And I do have some experiences where maybe I'm, I'm examining, I'm examining my own kind of perception to this because I have had directors not outside of the podcast who emailed me because they were angry about single lines in otherwise glowing reviews this has happened and they've been like i want to know what you meant by this and it's one fucking line and it's not a way it's not like i'm writing for variety or the hollywood reporter or anything i'm writing for iantomasmalone.com like if i was an a-list celebrity i would not give a rat's fuck what ian thomas malone said about me i just wouldn't and you know what i'm a comedian 
transgender comedian who gets if I picked up my phone right now, I could look at my Facebook messages and uh, send to my page, and there's people there who would just tell me to kill myself. So I actually do have experience not giving a shit what random-ass people tell uh, say about you, but me me being a random-ass person in the sense of uh, as a film, <laughs> film... A lot of people read my website. I don't want to sell myself too short, but... Yeah, they've they've sent like they've sent emails saying like what did you mean by this or I thought this was grossly inaccurate and like my own policy is I don't want to get into a tip for tat with a director about their own work I oftentimes with with those emails I I won't address it or I it will just say like thank you for reading I, I don't super have the desire to engage in that kind of stuff so with that in mind, you hear Alanis Morissette take sh- absolutely shredded, glowing docu- uh, largely glowing documentary about herself. To see her absolutely shred that, it is hard to shake the notion that she's maybe a little bit too close to this to offer a truly objective opinion. And that's, that's got to have a huge caveat on it in the sense that we don't know anything about, like, the behind-the-scenes that went on. What we do know, though, is that the heaviest part of the documentary, her talking about statutory rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment, it's all from her own words. She sat down for an on-the-record interview and talked about it. That's not to say you should have known what you signed up for, but, I mean, that is basically what I'm saying. And I'm not saying it... To be a douchebag, it can sound like a douchey statement. Nobody wants to be, no one on the planet Earth wants to be told, well, you should have thought about that before you gave the interview. That's, it, it sucks to hear that. And as a, like, as a trans person who's been the victim of sexual harassment, I have it, but people say, well, why'd you go there? Or, you know, you shouldn't have transitioned if you didn't want to be sexually harassed as a woman. And you just want to fucking punch those people. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say to Alanis Morissette, you should have known what you signed up for. However, as somebody with I, looking at the the public interest on this, journalistic standards should not be modified to necessarily include automatic givebacks whenever somebody says something that that they end up later regretting saying. The public is not well served by adopting that as some kind of norm. Stars like Taylor Swift are well served by having you know, such authority to basically choose directors for their own documentaries, like, essentially what is what happened with Miss Americana. And that's a good—I gave that a good review, too. I thought it was a good backstage look at the singer's life. It was interesting. I, I found it very engaging, and and I, I liked the film. I don't know if I necessarily want to see an instance—I I don't need to see the star and the director hug each other on a stage— to enjoy a documentary. If if the star walks away from it hating the director, that's not always the worst thing in the world. Sometimes that kind of work can produce a very gripping and engaging documentary. And as a film critic, I, I you have to... like you, you don't want to be an asshole when you're writing a review. I've written some... I've been called an asshole uh, as a result of reviews. But, you know... You go into this stuff, especially for film festivals, knowing that people. I've seen stars with their with a. Uh, I've seen stars with their on their cell phone. They have the reviews up and they're reading it. They, you know that at least a director. I mean, 
it's impossible to quantify. I don't know how many stars have read reviews of films I made. I know it's happened a lot because I've heard from them. And you can't bring that stuff with you when you're making, when you're writing a review or else your audience isn't being well served. If you're so afraid of how somebody in the film is going to receive what you say, then you don't say anything critical and then guess what? You're not really a critic. And that's not to defend douchebaggery. Uh, you should obviously be nice, but uh, being nice is not the overwhelming predominant concern. And yet, I can say that about my own work as a critic. With regard to this documentary, Jagged, it actually does kind of seem like that was in some ways the uh, predominant concern. It, it's not a documentary that rocks the boat. There is another strand of plot line that kind of functions as a as a stand-in for uh plot or 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 dramatic conflict so basically there are interviews with two members of Alanis's backing band from the Jagged Little Pill tour now she's a solo artist these are not members they're her back they're her touring band I, I don't think any I no none of them performed in studio uh these are essentially employees uh solo artists you know, they rotate. You, you, Band members, touring bands for solo artists get rotated all the time. So we don't need to think of these people as her equal. Well, they're certainly not her equals, but uh, we don't need to think of them as really anything other than employees. They're, they're there. They're not really part of the band in, in a royal term. So this documentary has interviews with two of them from that tour. There's uh, bassist Chris Cheney and drummer Taylor Hawkins. And, you know, they talk about how they were recruited. Uh, Cheney's case is kind of interesting. He was accidentally called as a bassist. Uh, she meant to call somebody else. Uh, and they're, they're, they're friendly. They're, it's, these aren't really long interviews, but uh, there is... A, a multi-sequence uh, element of drama where it's talked about how, as members of the touring band, they would uh, sometimes take advantage of the groupies or take advantage of their position within the band to bring groupies backstage and hook up with them. And, I mean, given the overwhelming sort of sense of feminism in Alanis Morissette's work as, as somebody who's really empowering of women, the idea that uh, her the members of her band would essentially trade... Uh, access to her for uh either sexual favors or or attempt to do that for sexual favors it it leaves a dirty feeling it, it it's gross it's not really the greatest feeling in the world and the documentary talks about i i probably described the situation more thoroughly than they did they kind of hint at it like yeah we uh, we did this, and then Alanis in an, inter in an interview was like, yeah, I was really pissed when they did that, and it's not like, like people didn't lose their jobs, nobody was fired, and it's, it's not, it's not really fully explored from every dimension of the word, it, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's mentioned very briefly, and then they move on, because this isn't a super conflict, uh, heavy, heavy narrative, it's, it's largely a puff piece, and it, it, when that happened, I kind of sat there being like, oh, this is the film trying to uh, craft some element of, okay, there is some drama here. There's really not a lot of drama. Alanis Morissette is an iconic singer. Her album was a huge hit. Uh, making a documentary about that huge hit, it's hard to kind of ignore the fact that, yeah, this is a huge hit. And it wasn't, it wasn't 
I mean, it was it was made with adversity adversity in the same sense that a lot of uh, works are because you're you're an artist who's who's trying to break through and you know the record industry is uh, reluctant to change. It's hard for female artists to succeed in the '90s, but it's not like none of them did. And it's not like oh my god, this doc this this album was made against all odds. It's it, the documentary is not really trying to make that kind of case. I mean, it's it's really kind of unclear what case documentary is meant to make at all. Again, this is from a person who gave the said documentary a positive review. But that kind of begs the question, doesn't it? What good is this documentary if it's a puff piece that the person in question doesn't even like? How can we celebrate this as comfort food if the subject doesn't think that it's comfort food? I mean, we're already making the gap of accepting that it's comfort food that that touches on a very heavy manner. And I don't know. I mean, maybe the documentary would have been better off just not including that. We're not. I don't want a world where uh, Allison Clayman has to go and ask Alanis Morissette for approval to use footage for an interview that she shot and that Alanis took part in. Like, if if all of this is sour grapes over that, then... I mean, again, it kind of sucks to call it sour grapes because it's somebody who's saying that they were taken advantage of in a situation. It doesn't look that way. And I don't want to infantilize someone, a 50-year-old woman, who took part in a documentary and now doesn't like it. I don't want to say that she didn't have agency to get up and say, you know what, I don't want to talk about this sexual assault. Or, I mean, maybe later on, she, I, here's the real kicker. So I mentioned earlier that, that I was kind of aware that there had been some kind of access issues. It is certainly possible, and I don't want to speculate too much, but it does kind of seem likely that Alanis regretted having talked about that other stuff and then declined to give future interviews, which then obviously would have shaped the documentary because the documentary is not Clayman voicing Clayman's perspective, but Clayman, I guess, you know, voicing her perspective. She's the, the, the director of the documentary. She's doing that through the footage with people that she interviewed you know, it, it's documentaries are not found footage. You do interviews, and then you you take ten, often uh, dozens of hours of footage, and you reduce it to essentially a handful of minutes, uh, ninety. Very few documentaries cross the two-hour mark. A lot of them really shouldn't. Uh, you're condensing a lot of complex material, and you're supposed to really condense it into a small, small thing. That's tough. That's not easy. But the result is a narrative. It is a story about nonfiction events put forth through a filmmaker. So there, you know, that's not to say that it's that's not to say that it's fiction, but it functions like fiction because you're we're not we don't have access. Like there's not a there's not a way to say okay, you really liked this. Here, let's let you watch all the. Uh, if you want more, here's the unedited all the footage and watch all ten hours of it. Like, The Last Dance had, I think, like, 100 hours, and they showed some bonus interviews that didn't make it into the final thing. There's a lot. There's a lot that gets left on the chopping block. And for us, we have a film that's supposed to be joyous and celebratory. I love Alanis Morissette. I felt really bad when I heard that she hated the documentary. And then I read the statement, and I was reminded, yeah, 
people can be really, really touchy when it comes to how you quote their work. I, I have friends who have been subjected to a lot of media scrutiny who act like, who, who, who get so obsessed with the way that they're covered that I've, like friends of mine, I've declined to have them on my show because I, I really don't want to put up with that crap. I imagine Allison Clayman really doesn't want to put up with this. And she gave this director statement. Uh, film festivals, you, you know, most films start with a director statement. They don't all, but the vast majority, and especially when you're seeing them in person. But uh, she, for the digital platform, gave a statement heavily, uh, heavily, a lot of included uh, just references to uh, Morissette songs. Fun, light, definitely not exuding the... Uh, aura of somebody who knows their subject hates them but i mean in in hindsight it, it is kind of there you can kind of sense it I, I guess if you knew it was there which you can see it if you know it's there yeah that's really helpful uh it didn't really give off that vibe it was odd that uh Alanis wasn't there especially knowing that deanne warwick was there for a similar documentary that was about her and she loves it uh and dan warwick is lovely uh, boy, she's fun on Twitter. I really like her. Uh, great career. Uh, I love Alanis Marissa too. I I don't want to be critical of the way she received this. This is her story. But okay, this is where this is where it matters. Jagged Little Pill is Alanis Morissette's story. Jagged the documentary is Allison Clement's story. That that that's a truth that we have to confront. A documentary is the work of a filmmaker. It's not the work of the subject. Subjects should not crap their own documentaries. That does happen. That happens all the time. We've talked about uh, references. Thinking again of... And, and that, I, Taylor Swift is a perfect example of somebody who can essentially craft their own documentary and have it still come out pretty good. And I say that as somebody who does not really give much of a rat's ass about Taylor Swift. My partner is obsessed with her. I've I've gifted her al uh, vinyls of Taylor Swift albums. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against T-Swizzle. But uh, I, I just I don't really care. It's it's not uh, high on my list of priorities. I care a lot more about Alanis Morissette. I love her. I think her work is fantastic. It's angst. It's the right well. So let's say it's the right kind of angsty. It's a very refreshing kind of angsty. It's honest and real, and yet at the same time, it's playful. And you know, you can you you hear the work of somebody who's in pain and is trying to laugh, uh, is trying to to find the brightness. I can't really say that for the statement that she gave about this. and I mean, that's the other thing. I have spent no time with Alison Clem. I don't know if she's a good person or a bad person. I, Furthermore, I don't really give a shit if she is or not. I, I don't care. She's a filmmaker. She made a decent movie. I, based on Jagged, I, I would not automatically want to watch another one of her films. She did one on Steve Bannon that was maybe... I mean, we went through a whole era of... Errol Morris, one of the greatest documentary filmmakers of all time, made an atrociously bad documentary about Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon has played a lot of people. I think Clayman also got kind of played by Bannon. I don't know if I would... I like Jagged. I don't know if Jagged was so good that I would automatically check out whatever uh, Alison Clayman's uh, next film is, just solely based on her reputation. I'd be kind of... Knowing this controversy, I would actually probably be a little more interested... Just, just to see if uh, she makes another movie about some another puff piece about somebody who hates her afterward. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, it, it's just it's so weird the situation. I don't want to, I don't want to circle the runway as we basically start to wrap up, but it's so 
weird. This situation, you watch so many documentaries, and this is just, I've never seen a documentary that was so complimentary, uh, complimentary of somebody then get totally destroyed by them. And, and with that in mind, you kind of want to give Clayman the benefit of the doubt. And yet, I don't know. There's just something weird. And it's like there's another shoe that's going to drop about this. And it'll probably drop in November right around the time the film comes out. And we'll have already made this. Uh, if you're an Alanis Morissette fan who uh, is checking this out after you watch the documentary, you can probably get the sense of what I'm talking about. And for the people in the interim, in the two months, until it comes out, until you have a chance to go check it out for yourself, you have to kind of take my word for it. And you're taking my conflicted words. Somebody gave this a positive review, and it's not like I want to take it back. It's weird. I don't know if I still would have given it a positive review based on what I know now, because it wouldn't have hit as home. It it made it, it it wouldn't have hit as it wouldn't have hit as well. It's it's currently seventy five percent of Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, I mean, for a documentary, that's not. Great. That means that a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, documentaries, if a documentary is good, it tends to get more of a consensus. Uh, there are people who, I mean, one of the reviews said it was marred by publicist intervention and limited access, uh, and then it cuts as deep as a Wikipedia entry. I mean, that's actually probably true. You know, reading Wikipedia is not the worst thing in the world. It's kind of fun sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I don't think this is the greatest documentary ever made. There are a lot of documentaries that are just kind of like, okay, remember this thing you liked? Like, there was one about Nickelodeon that just came out. It was on Hulu. It's not a very ambitious film. It's very complimentary. There's almost no drama. It's fun. I enjoyed it. If you like Jagged Little Pill a lot, you probably like the, uh, you probably will like the documentary. And yet, that kind of hinges on whether or not you know that Alanis Morissette does not like it. And I guess I'm still, and I'm—I don't—I'm not gonna arrive at an answer in this episode. But I, I'm very much grappling with the idea of can we have a documentary like *Jagged* that is good, that works as a puff piece, when its own star doesn't like it, when its own subject doesn't like it. It's tough. We're unprecedented waters, and it's like rain. I've done that. I haven't. I'm not going to do that. Or ironic barely gets talked about, which is actually also kind of refreshing. And it's not ironic. Uh, the The song is ironic, though. It, it finds irony in how unironic it is. And that is ironic. That's funny. That works. She's a genius. I really like her. I wish that uh, she was happier with the way that this turned out. I, I hate that this is just an ugly con. I mean, part of why I wanted to address uh, Alison Clement, who I imagine if she did check this out, I'm kind of banking on the idea that somebody marred in this controversy. There's not enough news about this that if she were Googling her own name that she wouldn't see this episode. And if I know a thing or two about celebrities, uh, of which documentary film I maybe not necessarily a celebrity, but I imagine that she probably will check this out, at least for the first couple minutes. Probably not 40 minutes in. That's why we saved some of the stuff for the... <laughs> the people who really like listening to the podcast. <laughs> Other people will miss out on that. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if I should. I I I feel some sympathy for somebody who who you know these premieres mean a lot and to have that ruined. Uh, I don't know if it was ruined for good cause or not though. It's just sad. I don't know what to make about this one. I think it's weird. 
I, I watch a lot of documentaries. Most of them are, you know, they're good. You learn something, you write it up, you post the article, and then you move on with your life. This one has just stuck with me. I just, it's so weird. It's so weird. I don't know. And you know what? I mean, let's not circle the runway anymore. I think, I think it's a good, 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 good place to uh, wrap it up. And, uh, oh, programming. I said at the beginning of the episode, we would talk about that at the end of the episode. As you've noticed, this is our first, this is our third episode. This first, we did two episodes all summer, and one of them doesn't really count because it was a promo episode for Confessions for My New Vagina, which, of course, you should listen to if you haven't had a chance already. I've been really, really busy on creative projects, writing and uh, writing new jokes, writing this follow-up album to Confessions. Uh, it's said to be titled transitive properties which i'm very excited about i haven't had time for podcasting podcasting is very hard especially when you're dealing with uh promo episodes for other people where you have to book them you have to watch their stuff you have to craft questions based on your stuff that can really the the combined work of of a single podcast episode with a guest basically eats up a whole day combined and sometimes even more than that i don't have that time right now I don't have time to do regular episodes. I have time to do a couple solo episodes that are just easier because you can slot them in when you don't have other stuff to do. And I I, I don't know when that's going to change. I don't know when this show will be back to something resembling a regular basis. I, I just don't know. And, uh, you know, for listeners, I mean, we have a great back catalog. I know that's not the greatest answer, and I know that our time together... People wish. I mean, I wish. I wish I could podcast every day. I wish. I, well, not maybe not every day, but once, twice a week. Uh, I, I like podcasting a lot. It's really fun. I'm really rusty now. It's hard to. I mean, solo episodes kind of take on their own form of energy, but just it's hard. It's it takes a lot of practice, and it's difficult to kind of get through this stuff when you're unsure of yourself or you don't think that maybe uh, you know you don't have all your best stuff with you, and that's kind of what happens when you don't do something for a couple months. But I've been really busy just trying to get some traction. I was I had an article published in GQ last month. That was pretty cool. Uh, a lot of cool stuff on the way. Album's been a huge hit. Thank you to everybody for the support. Yeah, I I there will come a day when we're doing more podcasting. Uh, this is you know we're, until then we're gonna kind of blip in and out. We'll do some Thomas the Tank Engine and chills. Uh, we'll do some regular programming, all of that. But uh, it's hard. It's it's a lot of stuff to do. But uh, anyway, I think that's about the update. The update is is we are going to still we we have I have a guest booked for uh, first week of October, so we'll have an episode. Uh, that's really fun, a Game of Thrones-themed, a Song of Ice and Fire-themed coming up. But uh, until then, I mean, with that in mind, it's 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 still going to be a while before we're doing regular stuff again. It's too busy. But uh, I love you, the audience. Everybody's asked. Uh, you know, it's it's this is it's really humbling. It's a, it's a really fun experience, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Check out our back catalog. Lots of good stuff. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. 